This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson, and our guest today knows a thing or two about evangelism and discipleship. Dr. Baron Gilfillan is founder and CEO of Good Shepherd Ministries International, and he has established the International School of Ministry to disciple millions who are being led to the Lord every day around the globe. Dr. Barron, we'll call you, so I don't have to tackle your last name each time, right? Uh, welcome to Charisma no, Connection. It's great to be with you, Chris, and uh, great to uh, introduce this topic or just even to discuss this topic uh, with your audience. Glad you could be with us today. Now, you worked with Reinhard Bonnke for three years on TV production. What was it like to try to capture the vast crowds and the stories of the people who were being saved at his outreaches in Africa? Um, it was a life-changing event. I, I came out of a region university and on the East Coast and just uh, had a master's in television production, but I don't think anything could have prepared me for what I encountered uh, going you know, to uh, Africa and then we eventually ended up living in Germany, and we traveled each each month about ten days um, on the mission field in doing these massive ca- campaigns and events. And it was back in about 1986 to 89, so Reinhardt was just emerging as a as a very um, prolific and powerful evangelist at that time. And his crowds were growing from about um, maybe 30 to 50,000 uh, up to 200 to 300,000 at that point, and they would later went on to grow into over over a million people per meeting. So, you know, I, I came in at the point of really starting to expose his ministry. I produced a show called Bloodwashed Africa, it was a television documentary, and just capturing these massive crowds, uh, as well as the healings, the miracles, um, and, um, you know, just literally hundreds of thousands of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, as well as of course, coming to Christ and, and experiencing salvation. And, you know, it was it was really a single a person, single man show at that point in terms of, of filming um, and trying to, to be at all places and all times and try and, one, capture the crowds, but then also to capture the individual stories of, of people's lives who are being healed or saved or things happening to them. So my wife actually was this... Uh, was his uh, uh, journalist at the same time as I was the uh, as the, the television producer, and so together we sort of teamed to try and capture the stories and really capture the heart of those crusades. Well, it sounds like you and your wife had a great partnership there. And uh, by the way, I have my master's in journalism from Regent University, so we share that. Wow, that's a uh, you know I, I always say that Regent was the greatest learning experience of my life in terms of practically preparing me to do frontline type of work and um, forever grateful for that training, but nothing actually trains you better than being on the front lines and actually doing it. Ah, that's so true. Well, seeing all the people that were saved at those events through the years must have inspired you. Plus, you know, you and your wife, Lisa, served in Nigeria and launched a video Bible school there. Could you tell us more about the International School of Ministry and how it came about? Well, it was really a, a growing burden while I, I was with Reinhard. Uh, we were living in Germany and traveling into these events. And um, I would literally film millions and millions of people making commitments to Christ. But I knew that we were going to be there for five or six days and 
travel on and, and then the next month be in another part of the, of, the, of the continent or the world. And I just began to get a real burden as to, God, who's shepherding um, these new souls and who's going who's gonna to bring them to maturity? Who's going to, uh, you know, help the shepherds? Um, to to basically disciple and mentor and develop um, these new converts to maturity. And so <clears throat> that was really the basis of, of why I stepped away from the mission field for a number of years to go to Fuller, to study um, leadership development, and then to eventually create a video Bible school that could help the pastors to disciple these new converts. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like uh, the Lord really led you to an exceptional work there. Now, how do you believe the Lord has equipped you through your education and through your experience as a leader to facilitate the work of discipleship? Well, I think, you know, number one, God put me with great, with great mentors, uh, being at, at a regent, um, you know, under Pat Robertson, I, I just saw a tremendous leader who, who was able to, lead that, that work there, and as well as the professors and people that were there at Regent, that the instruction was fantastic. Um, I also um, studied under Peter Wagner. I was with Reinhardt for three and a half years, got to see how he led and developed his people. And then, um, you know, Peter Wagner for me at Fuller was extremely influential. I saw him, and then I was attending Jack Hayford's church for a year um, out on the West Coast here in California. And um, I just have had very solid, godly mentors in my life, which really helped to lay some foundations. And, um, you know, the culmination of that, plus the exposure to many of the great teachers when we were with Reinhardt in Europe, um, many of the, of, the, of the teachers that, you know, uh, are well-known in charisma were a part of Reinhardt's conferences and events. And um, and so I got exposed to a, a wide spectrum of godly, effective ministers. And um, my my desire in creating the ISOM was to say, why can't we capture these great teachers and leaders and put them into a Bible curriculum and translate it into the languages of the nations and do what the Jesus film did for evangelism? Let's do it for discipleship. So um, the uh, inspiration of the ISOM was really to take all the people that had influenced my life and that had affected me and impacted my life and I had helped my spiritual formation and try to capture the best of them um, and put them into a Bible curriculum that would be instructional as well as something easy to use that would be video-based and um, that could enable a church in the middle of the Amazon jungle to become a Bible school teaching the best teaching in the world from the greatest uh, people we could find. How wonderful is that? So how many students do you actually have now and in how many countries? Right now, um, <laughs> it's always an estimate because yes. we're always discovering new things and we always try and be very conservative based on things we actually exactly know. But it's well over 150 nations. Um, there's over 20,000 training sites that use our ISOM curriculum. And uh, we estimate that it's uh, probably between 350 and 400,000 students that uh, are are trained or have been trained with the ISOM program, and um, and that's a very conservative estimate because many of the countries we work in are persecuted, and the numbers we know are just a, a, a drop on the you know, on the on the top of the surface in terms of the people actually being impacted. Hmm. Well, I used to work in radio with the Far East Broadcasting Company, and it was always wonderful to know that 
you were helping people in the persecuted church who were able to listen sort of undercover. I imagine you have that same experience with ISOM. Um, I would say that, you know, the greatest growth of ISOM has been uh, in those countries. Um, the hunger is enormous in those countries. So the fact that we have material in their language, that it's in a systematic format and that it can be distributed on micro SD chips, it can be uh, put out on DVDs and, uh, and originally on VCDs and other formats and now digitally through the internet and other places, um, the ability to impact people uh, in a remote part of the world that you'll never know about is, is increasingly becoming possible. Yes, the technology is really helping us for sure. So you also have a book out, uh, Pursuing Maturity, the Goal of God. Now that goal certainly ties into your work with ISOM. What led you to write this book, which uh, I should also say has been endorsed by John Bevere and you have an introduction by Reinhard Bonnke. Well, but both of them are both friends as well as mentors in my life. Um, and uh, pursuing maturity is really sort of the microcosm of the of the whole goal. It's great to have a church-based Bible school, and it's great to see the the numbers of massive crowds getting one to Christ. But really, it comes down to the uh, growth of an individual believer once they accept Christ. How do they come to a place where they're mature? And um, if you read uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians, he says, my little children whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you. His his goal was to get Christ formed in people. And, um, you know, a, a huge part of that, there's, there, it's not uh, a very simple process because, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a journey. And I make a very strong distinction in the book between events and process. And the church is very, very good at events. We love to have camps and, and speakers and crusades and and uh, all kinds of uh, seminars and things that are very event-oriented. In fact, many of our churches are built on events, but what really transforms people is process, and process is the long the long journey of, of, uh, of discipleship and the long journey of, uh, of developing the Word of God and people and mentorship, and these things are processes that have to be uh, brought about in the lives of people to bring them to a place of maturity. And, you know, the fivefold ministry is very clear in Ephesians 4, and that's a proof chapter for the book or a proof uh, um, set of scriptures for the book is Ephesians 4. It talks about that fivefold ministry has one major goal is to help the church to grow up and to, you know, become mature. And mm -hmm. these gifts are given to, we all understand, you know, uh, you know the, the truth of Christ. We don't get uh, tossed with, with wrong doctrine. And we grow up and become like the head, and we become like Christ, and the church can become the full measure of the body of Christ. And so I'm very fascinated with the process, and this book is about the journey, about the mentorship. It's about uh, what I call vehicles of process, which are uh, Bible training and, and, and things like Bible reading. Um, it's things that we do every day that bring about the end goal of maturity in the life of a believer. Well, you also talk about mentoring in this book, and I understand mentoring is really important to you. How is disciple-making actually different than mentoring in, in our Christian context? Well, um, I have a great friend of mine. His name is Tony Cook. You probably know Tony. Uh, um, is a great Bible teacher, and, and he wrote a book called 
um, In Search of Timothy, and it's a wonderful book. It's a great book about how the church needs to to find its Timothys and to, you know, to develop them. And I, I challenged Tony. I said, Tony, you need to write a sequel to that. I said, you know, you need to write a, a book called In Search of Paul, because <laughs> you're not going to have a Timothy unless you have a Paul. And, and, and it's really the, the spiritual fathers. It's the, it's the, uh, the top leaders um, that are in the body of Christ and really have to um, move into mentoring. And um, mentoring is very much about access. Um, it's about allowing people to, to be with you. What, what I was not formally mentored by Reinhardt. He didn't sit me down and say, here, you know, I'm going to teach you what I know in ministry. But he allowed me access to him 24-7 pretty much, uh, you know, for three and a half years. And um, I got to travel with him. I saw how he interacted with world leaders. I saw how he acted with uh, massive crowds. I saw him around the breakfast table, the lunch table, and the dinner table. And I got to to really imbibe uh, the heart of his life, his ministry, his, his passion. Um, and, um, you know, he's the same around the breakfast table as he is in front of, you know, 200,000 people. It's, uh, he's, he's got that same passion. And I, and I love those times when I was able to just be with him and uh, pull truth out of him and, and learn from him and ask questions. And a lot of it was access. And many times Christian leaders today do not give enough access to that next generation. We give teaching to them, but not access. And access is really where mentorship is developed. Uh, very good point. Now you have an interesting chapter on mentoring and employment. You say that each person in your employee is to be viewed as a sacred stewardship. How does that make a difference uh, on a daily basis in the workplace? I think employment is, is a huge passion of mine, and I, I believe it's the greatest vehicle of, men, of mentorship, and it's the greatest vehicle of discipleship that's out there, um, because it, it gives the person who's at the helm a tremendous um, ability to influence the life of, a, of an employee. And if you look at it as though these employees are here just to do a job and to do something for me and, and to build my ministry, I mean, that's one way to look at it, but my uh, understanding has been that, that, you know, we should look at our employees um, very much in the way that Jesus tells the parable in the New Testament. It says that, he, that the, uh, the employer goes out in the first hour, the third hour, the fifth hour, the, you know, the ninth hour, the twelfth hour, whatever. And, I mean, again and again, going out looking for people, and he's saying, what are you doing, and how can I employ you into the, into the purposes of God? And um, at the end of the day, he pays them all the same. Because it's not about what he could get from them, it's what he could do to them, how he could uh, empower them, how he could uh, provide resources to them, how he could uh, love them, how he could cover them. And to me, uh, an employer has a tremendous stewardship over people, um, the ability to develop their, their callings, develop their talents, their gifts, their discipline. All of the things that, that make up a godly believer can be done in the workplace so long as you create an environment where that can happen and that can be facilitated. And so to me, um, the, the, the greatness of a Christian leader is not so much their ability to build a big ministry. It's, it's their ability to build a team and to have people that they really, really uh, grow into, into maturity. And when you, <clears throat> when you see a great ministry, you see great leaders coming out of that ministry who go and do huge things for God. And I think that that should be the goal of, uh, of, of every person's workplace. Hmm. 
excellent way of looking at it. And, you know, you won't be mature without discipline, will you? Um, what sort of personal disciplines, business disciplines do you practice and do you believe others should use? Probably the hardest chapter in the, in the whole book to write was that on discipline, the, the hmm. D word. Um, I actually used some of the people in my life that I greatly respect um, in this area um, of, of, of discipline. Diego Mace is a person that probably most people don't know, but pastors of a church of 16,000 in Rancho Cucamonga called the Bunnan Living Family Church, um, is a survivor of stage four kidney cancer. And, uh, you know, um, he was given six months to a year to live, and, and he changed everything in his life and created disciplines in his life. And his healing was not some sort of instantaneous thing, but it was a, a, a result of an incredibly disciplined lifestyle. Um, Jordan Peterson's been a person that's, you know, been rising and I wouldn't necessarily put him in the area of a strong evangelical, but certainly he's speaking truth into a generation, but he's a man of incredible discipline. Um, I utilize his, his story. Uh, there's another uh, person called Dave Hodgson out of Australia, who's a billionaire Christian businessman. And um, Dave Hodgson, uh, Kingdom Investors out of Australia, is really, you see what's happening in the elections that just happened in Australia. Uh, yes. A lot of it goes back to it goes back to the to the the force behind that is that is the Christian coalition and the and the uh, the Christian business leaders in that nation that are are really changing the culture, changing the mindset of how people do business and how they think and how they influence education and all the seven mountains that are in that country. And mm -hmm. so the, the the world is shocked and say, how could the, how could this guy win again? But I'm telling you that behind the scenes, it's because of what Christians are doing at the grassroots level. And these people are, are enormously disciplined in everything that they do. My personal discipline is very much my prayer life. I have a very strong prayer life. Um, and um, I have a very, you know, uh, a, a disciplined organization that I run and a very, very strong principled uh, type of, uh, um, you know, foundations that I have in my organization. But I wouldn't say that I have near the discipline of some of these other incredible men uh, and women of God that are, are really out there changing the culture. Well, they, it's certainly wonderful to have people in your life that you can point to and, and model uh, yourself after when it comes to discipline. So you also have a chapter on New Testament laws. Now, we're not used to thinking of law in the New Testament. Uh, we're used to thinking of laws equated with the Old Testament. So could you fill us in on those and what they mean as we move toward maturity? Well, the, you know, we, we look at the Old Testament and it's, you know, Ten Commandments and the 600 and something laws that are there. But New Testament does have laws. Um, I found it starting in uh, Romans 8 where it says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who are not walking according to the flesh but according to the spirits. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And I was like, wow, a law in the New Testament? And really began to look at the other laws that are there. And uh, these are laws that are more nuanced. They are, they are relational. They are involving uh, the heart. They're involving, um, you know, our interaction with the world. And um, just a few of these just to go over, like the law of liberty and grace and, and just how we have liberty and grace, but we don't abuse it. The law of conscience, where it says I can do something, you know, and it's, uh, uh, but if it violates my conscience or it violates the conscience of another human being, um, then it's not kosher. It's not good. 
and um, and the law of conscience is very respected in the New Testament. Um, the the law of faith, you know, Paul says, whatever I don't do, a faith is sin. So I can do something, and it can be right, and it can be acceptable, but if it's not a faith, it violates and crosses a law in the New Testament. The law of faith is very, very strong there. The law of love is uh, is another one that the Scripture talks about, and uh, uh, it even mentions that and talks about fulfilling the the, the requirements of God's uh, love, and, and love fulfills the requirements of God's law. So, um, you know, the love, is, love is, um, is a powerful, powerful law in the New Testament. The law of perception is a very interesting one because the Bible says you can do something, but if other people are offended by it, um, then God does care what people think. And it says, you, if people come into the church and you're acting crazy, says, doesn't that damage the reputation of Christ? And God is careful and doesn't want to, um, you know, cause offense to his message and to his word. And so Paul talks a lot about doing things, um, you know, that, that, that are perceived. And how they're perceived is important because he refused to take any offerings or take any uh, um, requirements on his ministry, um, not because it's wrong to do that, but because he just wanted to not violate the law of perception, that people would see him having wrong motive. Uh, law of honoring and receiving is such a powerful one in the New Testament. Um, you can't receive from something until you honor it. Jesus said he came to his own, but he, his own received him not, but as many as received him, um, they honored him. They got power to become children of God. And finally, the law of right motive is the other one that's in there in the New Testament where, you know, um, you can give an offering and probably Ananias and Sapphira gave maybe a 90% offering. It wasn't a tie. There was more than that, but they were struck dead because their heart was wrong. Their motive was wrong. And so, God looks at these laws in the New Testament, and they may seem like they're lesser than the Old Testament, but they're actually higher. They're more difficult in some ways. They're very relational, and a mature believer comes to a place where they walk in, an, in a very careful, nuanced relationship with their brothers and sisters and with the body of Christ, and they're mature in these laws of the New Testament. A higher law, for sure. Well, as we consider pursuing maturity, I wonder, would you mind praying for our listeners as they seek to do that? I'd love to do that. And, um, you know, I do believe that this is the goal of God. It is God's heart and, and purpose for our lives. And people need to realize that the place of maturity is the place of blessing. It's the hundredfold increase. When it comes to a hundredfold, then it multiplies exponentially. Um, maturity is something that God desires. He wants us to grow up and become like Christ and have the heart of God and have the nature of Christ and reflect his character in the world. And, um, and so I, I really encourage people to pursue it. it need, they need to go after it. It doesn't happen automatically. No more than our children grow up and become mature in whatever they do without our input. So let me just pray for our, uh, you know, our audience and let's just pray that God will just stir in them a passion to, uh, to pursue this goal of God, this goal of maturity. And uh, let's just uh, pray together. Father, we thank you for every listener, every person out there. I ask that you would just speak into their hearts that, Lord, you would just put a desire, Lord, for them to, to come to the place of, of being like Christ, of, of Christ being formed in them, of the Word of God being transformative in their lives, of them understanding the revelation teaching of God's Word that comes through the uh, people who understand the Word of God, that are 
are speaking into this generation, Lord, help them to to uh, imbibe that truth, help them to grow and have their eyes opened and to to understand, Lord, and be transformed, as Romans 12 says, by the renewing of their mind, their thinking through the Word of God. I pray, God, that you give them wisdom. I pray, God, that you would set this as a, a defining moment in their lives, that they would uh, make from this point onwards in their world, that they would go forward to pursue the maturity of God in their lives, that they would have the full measure of fruit that God has for their future. And so, Father, we pray for every person listening that you would uh, use this podcast to stir um, a heart towards maturity, a heart to grow up in the kingdom, and a heart to become an ambassador and a representation and a representative of Christ in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a great prayer. What a great thing to think about that we actually need to go hard after maturity in Christ. So how can our listeners learn more about you, Dr. Barron, and your ministry and your books? Um, I would just, you know, direct them very much to isom.org. It's I-S-O-M.org, International School of Ministry, it stands for. Isom.org is the um, um, the major um uh, sort of focal point of our website. And and then we have an online program as well, which is connected to ISOM.org. It's called ministrydegree.org, that people can actually, in all walks of life, in one year, they can get a ministry degree, they can get an associate degree, or they can get a bachelor's degree. And um, they, um, you know, can go to that site, ministrydegree.org. Those are the two major sites that they can find pretty much everything that we have. And I, I think we didn't quite touching it a lot, but I did touch on it in my prayer is the, the power of revelation teaching is, is, is so, it's the greatest vehicle of process because, you know, the Word of God is the only thing that, that helps us to really grow in the things of God. And Jesus was the Word made flesh. And what we've done is recorded all these great teachers from Jack Hayford to Reinhard Bonker to T.L. Osborne, Joyce Meyer, John Bevere, Brian Houston, A.R. Bernard, all of these great teachers, we've recorded their life messages. We've recorded the revelation teaching that these people have. And the ISOM is really just a collection of that. And it's in this school format that you can go through as an online student or a church can do a school. And uh, it's a tremendous vehicle. If a person wants to become mature, put yourself through the greatest teachers in the world. Let their teaching uh, reveal and open up truths in the Word of God to you. And through that process, you will become mature in your faith. So isom.org has a lot of information. And for online students, ministrydegree.org, the two major sites I would direct them to. Well, we thank you so much for putting out those great resources for our listeners, for anyone who wants to take advantage of them. Thanks so much for being with us, Dr. Baron Gilfillan. The book, once again, is called Pursuing Maturity, The Goal of God. We appreciate you being with us today. Great. And they can find a link to that on the site, isom.org, as well as on Kindle and on Amazon. So thanks so much, Chris. Blessings to you. And thank you so much to your audience for all those who uh, support your podcast. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this visit with Dr. Baron Gilfillan on Charisma Connection. And for those who want to continue their quest to maturity, be sure to also check out one of our other podcasts, Dr. Barbara's Whole Life Podcast with Barbara Lowe. She's a life coach and a licensed psychologist. So learn more about that at cpnshows.com, cpnshows.com. 
This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. <laughs>